What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Four hundred, and we are sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. We're going to break down this entire DFS lineup for you here. We'll talk about roster construction, dominators. We'll break down the salaries in terms of tiers. Of course, as always, uh, be sure to hit that thumbs up button. That really does help us. And if you are not subscribed to Osmo, be sure to hit that subscribe and notification bell so you know when a new show is live here on the channel. Of course, we got shows all day for you from the NHL Strategy Show, the UFC uh, Live Before Lock, also NBA Deeper Dive, and NBA Live Before Lock. So hopefully everyone's having a good Saturday. Phil, uh, welcome in, man. Always great to be here on, on a Saturday afternoon talking a little NASCAR with you. Uh, I guess uh, overall, uh, I mean, obviously people can go to awesome.com and read the written content they have up there, but what's kind of your, your general thoughts heading into tomorrow's race? It's good to be somewhere else besides Daytona. I mean, I don't have to worry about half of my lineup or all of my lineup wrecking out on the oval. I don't have to worry about having the perfect lineup through 65 of 70 laps and then one guy gets spun out, loses 20 positions, and instantly goes from the optimal top play on the board, Chase Elliott, to a guy mired in the in, in the in the mid pair in the mid pack. So we're going to your prototypical mile and a half intermediate track. It's got a little bit of intrigue in it because this is a homestead, so it's a high tire wear um, steeply banked track, but it's good to be at an actual oval for NASCAR DFS purposes this week. In terms of my best lineup, which was a, a single entry lineup, I may have been cheering when Chase Elliott got spun out there. I may have been cheering. 
Yeah, I can't confirm or deny that, but yeah, I was I was like, okay, that's going to help my lives out a lot, So, uh, but we're here to break this one down for you, of course. Today's show is sponsored by Monkey Knife Fight. They are a player prop-based contest, which are easy to play and don't require the time commitment that other DF sites require to be competitive. With Monkey Knife Fight, you are in charge. Whether you want to play NBA, UFC, PGA, eSports, or soccer, Monkey Knife Fight has it. To get started, all you got to do is head over to monkeyknifefight.com and choose which game you want to play, your contest type, and your buy-in. And even better, when you sign up with the promo code AWESOMO, you'll get an instant first match deposit bonus up to $50. So sign up today over at monkeyknifefight.com. Make sure to use that promo code AWESOMO when you make your first deposit. Phil, let's, let's get right into it here. Roster construction. What's kind of, uh, in terms of uh, your recommendation on how people should be building their lives, where, where, where does it start tomorrow? Okay, since we're back to an intermediate track, this is going to be on the lower end of laps that we see at these intermediate races. So this is the Dixie Vodka 400. Therefore, we've got 267 laps on the board. When you look at the optimal for this race last year, the optimal from 2019 and the 2018, you are looking at two to two and a half dominators. Now you say, where the heck are you getting a half a dominator? Because I can't really uh, play half a driver. Well, what you're seeing, like, let's take, for example, last year's race. Denny Hamlin scored the most DraftKings points at 95.75. He led the, the most laps. He started first, ended first. Your second top dominator would have been Ryan Blaney. He bolstered his score with eight place differential points. He finished third, and then he led the second most laps that day. Well, Chase Elliott led a bunch of an a bunch of laps initially before the, the lightning and the rain came out. And then the race transformed into a night race and chase was probably on the cusp of winning that race before some, some late pit strategy got Denny back out in front, kept him out there and he won the race and chase led enough laps, got enough past the lap points that he ended up scoring the third most, uh, actually the, the fourth most points that day at 65.75 points. So Chase wasn't exactly what you would consider a, a, a full dominator, but he got you partial points in, in that regard. And like I said, when you go back and look through the rest of these optimal lineups, you're seeing at the bare minimum two dominators. And this carries across to FanDuel as well. If you look at last year's optimal from FanDuel, it had Denny and it had Ryan Blaney, and then it had three place differential drivers. Now, the interesting thing is, is that the total salary used was only 46,900 of the total 50,000. So it kind of has a, has a little bit of a, uh, of a, of a plate race feel to it with that leftover salary, but that was just a, a consequence or a result of you were of which particular guys that had place differential ended up with, with top 10 finishes. So this week, at the bare minimum, you are looking at one dominator. We have lots of guys in the 20s and 30s who can score place differential. They may end up scoring more than the second most dominator. But in your tournament lineups, you may move to that a, a two dominator build. Yeah, just looking at, uh, I did a, a crunch right before the show. Over on FanDuel, the lowest salary I used in 150 lineups was 40900 and that, and that's something we talk about every week on this show is like in NASCAR DFS, don't feel like you have to spend every dollar you have. I mean, I remember for, uh, you know, the Daytona race two weeks ago, I think I had a lineup that I had over like 10,000 left over to spend. Yeah. 
And you you do tend to see this more on FanDuel than you do DraftKings just as a, a, a – it's a byproduct of FanDuel scoring. And sometimes you will have drivers that are just egregiously overpriced that – they may score as they may score nearly as many points as these drivers that are pure place differential. But when it just comes down to pure uh, fantasy points scored, well, you know you could have a lineup that has five to ten thousand dollars left over in salary cap. Yeah, it was uh, looking over on DraftKings in the 150 lineup. The lowest salary I used forty eight thousand four hundred. So there you see the the big difference between uh, those two slates. You mentioned about dominators, and that's something we always talk about to every week here. You know, some some races you'll say, Jason, you need two. Maybe you need to have three. What is that magic number this week? Yeah, I'm. I am really torn. I can make a lineup I like a lot with just one dominator and then using all of the high price place differential guys. But then I, and obviously the circumstances that we have this weekend are not the same circumstances that have been in last year's Miami Homestead race and the previous ones because we didn't have all of these place differential guys in, in the back before. So, you know, there, there's different extenuating circumstances. And I can make a single dominator build with the place differential that I really like. But I find myself falling back to that two tom that two dominator build using just a couple of these high price place differential guys, and then seeking out the value that I can find without dabbling too much in these pump plays. I know we're getting into a lot of Tyler Reddick uh, questions. We will get into his those questions when we get in uh, to the second tier of salaries, which is the nine k and eight k range. But we do want to start off with the drivers that are 10K and above on DraftKings. So that's Kyle Busch, Martin Truex Jr., Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, Ryan Blaney, and Kevin Harvick. I guess we got to start off with uh, Kyle Busch starting 24th. Uh, you know, he was my second highest uh, exposure that I was getting in the crunches that I was doing. 11,800 on DraftKings, 12,200 over on FanDuel. Right. Kyle looks very intriguing because of all that place differential. And obviously he's won here at Homestead before he won the season finale race in 2019. The very last time that we saw these drivers at intermediate track, which would have been all the way back in Texas. If you guys remember, that was the race that was delayed three days before it finally finished on a Wednesday evening. He ended up winning that, that race. And, uh, you know, even in a bad year for Kyle, he came to this race and he was still able to bring home a a, a top ten finish coming in coming in sixth. The the question is with Kyle, where does he stand? He's got a new crew chief. We still don't know if he needs practice in order to make him or his car better. We're kind of just sitting out in left field wondering, you know, what is the setup like for this car back at the base at Joe Gibbs? What's it going to be when it finally hits the track? Are they going to have to use, like they did practically every race last year, are they going to have to use the first segment to actually get the setup dialed in for the car before they before they, they go on? Um, and the, the other tough thing with, with Kyle as your most expensive driver on DraftKings is if he moves into the, into the top five, yeah, he's getting – around 20 place differential spots. And then if he finishes there, that's going to be like a 60 point score. But for 11-8, I need a bit more. I need some fastest laps. I definitely need some laps led. Like if you are going to play Kyle Busch this this week, like I, 
he's he's hands off for, for cash because of that of that salary. You absolutely need him to be a dominator for for cash, and we we just don't know where he stands right now. So if you're going to play him in tournaments as a as a place differential slash dominator option, you are playing him on the basis that he is going to get to the front and he's going to lead a quarter to a third of tomorrow's laps. Yeah, just looking over at my fan duel, uh, he came in 37% of the lineups, and over on DraftKings, he was uh, much lower, yeah, 11%. Yeah, you know, I hate to say it, but Kyle makes a bit more sense on fan duel because there's not such a heavy emphasis on these dominator points. There's only going to be 26.7 laps lead points available tomorrow on FanDuel. So the place differential and the finishing position is going to matter that much more. Plus, Kyle, he's high-priced at 12-2, but he's nowhere near the highest-priced driver on FanDuel. Uh, I want to bring up this question uh, from Jacob over in the YouTube chat. He says, I was going to say we got to bring up the point that with no qualifying and no practice, anybody is sort of really in play. We saw last year that a lot of guys that aren't so great finished well. Yeah, and a point that I've probably beat like a dead horse this week with all of my articles is that last year's race is, it's got such a gigantic asterisk next to it because it's the only homestead race that we have where there wasn't practice, where there wasn't qualifying. It was held at a completely different time of year. It started in the mid after mid afternoon. It got delayed by a couple hours. It became a, it became an evening race. So you got to definitely be, be wary of how much you, you gauge last year's results and peg them for these drivers against what they've done in other homestead races. When you look at the uh, the rest of this high end salaries of ten thousand above, who who sticks out to you? Where you say, you know what, I, I really like him in that spot. It, it's Harvick. Harvick opened the week as the betting favorite on DraftKings Sportsbook. Now that his number went up from four fifty to five fifty yesterday, so now Denny Hamlin's the favorite. But it was interesting to note that as soon as the sportsbook dropped numbers that Harvick was the prohibitive favorite. And this is a track that suits Harvick. He does really well in the intermediate, high tire wear, steeply banked tracks. Think of Darlington. Think of Atlanta. You can, you, you take all of those different races last year. He won three of those, of those five events at the intermediate track, at the intermediate tracks. The other two wins were, well, by Denny Hammond. We'll get to him in a, in a second. But this is a track that suits Harvick. Um, you, you look back over his history, I, I believe it was all the way back to 2007 was the last time that he didn't have a top 10 finish here at Homestead. He oh, They always come really prepared for, the, for this track. And uh, 26 last year, that's concerning. But once again, a different race and – uh, Rodney Childers said, or said that they set this car up as a short run car. They were they were expecting lots of cautions. There would never be like a an extended green flag run, so they anticipated lots of short, um, lots of short twenty thirty lap runs that were going to be constantly interrupted by cautions. And they got nowhere near that. And because the setup was so horribly off, Kevin had a horrible day that day. So I'm expecting a rebound tomorrow. And Harvick is the guy that I'm really making a priority to be my number one dominator in my lineups. Speaking of Harvick, Jacob Nasley asked about Harvick saying, how easy is it to fade Harvick? I think we know the answer to your question on that one. 
Yeah, you know, let let me look here at Alex's. Yeah, right now Alex has Harvick coming in at twenty seven percent, and as a twenty five point five percent chance of being a top two dominator. So, I mean, the the ownership isn't isn't crazy, but the the top driver tool definitely is pegging uh, Harvick as one of our top uh, potential dominators. Uh, you know, in terms of uh, anything else, in terms of, you know, when you look at, uh, say, a guy like Kyle Larson starting 17th, uh, but th- does the price point scare you at all in GPP? Larson is going to be an interesting guy to to watch just what happens with his with his ownership, because all of the, the, the dirt track guys, your Christopher Bell, your Tyler Reddick, your Ricky Stenhouse Jr., your Kyle Larson, there's always the expectation that when they come to this this sort of track that they're just going to clean up, that they're going to use their, their dirt track experience to ride the rail. They're going to put down the fastest laps and that they're going to be the ones that ultimately win. And, you know, Larson has run really well here, but the, the key is, is that he hasn't, he's been here multiple, multiple years and he has still yet to get to win. And the one time that we've seen Larson in a high downforce, low horsepower package was the sprint, the, uh, the, the winter race of 2019 closed out the, the championship that year and he came in dead last. So what we see from Larson. And once again, last year, we only saw him in this package one time. That was at, that was at Las Vegas. So what we're going to see from Larson in a brand new car in a package that we haven't really seen that much of him. I don't know. I know for certain that his number uh, betting wise has uh, been shaved in half, so the the betting public is definitely looking for looking to Larson for a win. Starting seventeenth at ten thousand seven hundred on DraftKings, eleven thousand three hundred on FanDuel. There, there's some place differential to milk out of that, but he's kind of in that boat for that that, that Kyle Bush is with me, where I need him to get some laps led and get some fastest laps. And here's the key: if you are saying, "Well, of course he's going to get fastest laps," he's Kyle Larson. He's going to ride the he's going to ride the rails. Well. Only one car, only one driver per lap is going to get the fastest lap. And Larson hasn't had to contend with the likes of a Christopher Bell, a Tyler Reddick, a Cole Custer fighting him up against the rail for those same fastest laps. So don't just be assured in your mind that Larson is automatically going to get so many fastest laps just because he's in this race. Of course, if you want to uh, follow uh, Phil on Twitter, it's at, at Race Sheets DFS. Of course, I am at Jason underscore Ford. This is the Osmo.com NASCAR DFS strategy show. And you got to sign up right now for an Osmo Plus weekly pass, which is for $29.95. This gives you access to all the great premium tools and content we have over there for all the sports that we have at awesomeo.com, such as player projections, ownership projections, and also our premium Slack channel where you can ask us questions of whether you, you it's, it's NASCAR, whether it's NBA, NHL, whatever it may be. Being an also plus member does, does give you access to our premium Slack channel. And we do have, uh, if you just want NASCAR DFS, you can get a weekly pass for $9.95. Phil is always in there. You can get, you know, check out the race sheets. And if you ever have questions for Phil, he will be in there to answer your questions. But we do have a promo going on for college basketball. Yes, uh, we are about to hit March Madness. I'm not sure how many people realize college basketball is going on, but it is in full force as we're about to hit March Madness. And we use a promo code college. 
you can get our college basketball DFS weekly pass for $4.98 for your first week of college basketball DFS. Offer is valid through tomorrow, February 28th. Stop guessing, start winning. Join Osmo Plus today. Let's move on to tier number two, which it will be a tier that uh, Tyler Reddick is in, and we've got several questions about Tyler Reddick. So I guess we'll just start off there. Uh, you know, one of the questions was, is Reddick a cash lock? Uh, you know, in, in terms of obviously a point differential that he car place differential, I should say, that he will have in this race starting 35th, 8,500 on DK, 9,200 on FanDuel. Uh, when we're talking about this tier, Phil, I think this is where we have to start. Yeah, this is where everybody wants to start their lineups with, and it's based off of what Tyler did in this race last year. He started 24th. By the end of the first segment, he had already worked his way up to, to second, and it was just it was doing exactly what he did in the, the two previous Xfinity Championship races where he stuck his side to the very extent of the wall, rode around, was knocking down fastest laps, practically led every lap, did this for two different teams in back in back-to-back years, won both of those championships, comes into this cup race, had 48 fast laps out of the 267, which is it's it's preposterous. And DraftKings didn't do us a favor at 8,500. You know, he, for where he's starting 30, 35th. And the ownership that we're projecting him at Reddick should have been should have been somewhere closer to the to the 10k, maybe even 11 11k range. I mean, we all remember what DraftKings continually did with Christopher Bell when they were when he was in this same scenario last year, constantly starting 35th through 37th and getting priced up around around 11k each week. Reddick is going to be a fantastic cash game play. You just you, you play him in there because one, he merits it. He'll pick up place differential. He'll pick up fastest laps. He'll probably finish top 15, top 10. And you're going to have to play him the block. I mean, if you're going to try to go into, go into, go into a head to head game, uh, a 50, 50, a double up and not play Tyler Reddick, you are playing with fire. You, you, you could easily lose everything just because you don't play him. But the key is in tournaments, what exactly are you going to do with a driver who has amazing upside but could just as just as easily ride that rail to you know play, play with he could play with fire on his own in way too way too much and end up cutting down a tire and wrecking out this is this is what people forget we we only look at box scores and we see these these scores scored 84 FanDuel points 84.8 DraftKings points and we're like yeah man I'm, I I gotta have me some of that Reddick was riding the riding the rim in this race last uh, June and he cut down a tire and thankfully the, the, the tire didn't go absolutely flat. Like what happened with Matty D last week where he was riding on the, riding on the, uh, the actual wheel hub itself, trying to get back to, to pit road. Reddick had enough of a tire to get back, got it changed and everything's fine. If that happens again this year and he blows a tire, he's into the wall, his day's over and Half of everybody in tournaments is saying, piece of crap. They might use other words. <laughs> they might just say, there might be some other choice words that they get thrown out there. You know, but, there might, there might be some, 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 uh, cold beverages that might all magically start, uh, you know, getting open from the, the fridge. Yeah. Yeah. That beer's flying at the TV. 
Uh, Jacob uh, had asked a question about Kurt Busch. He's starting fifth, 8,100 on DK, 8,000 on FanDuel. Kurt's in a very tough situation with that with that fifth place starting position. Um, in the betting in the betting uh, preview that I wrote yesterday, I I like Kurt as a as a bet for a top ten finish. He's got he's got fairly good fairly good numbers. It's a it's a positive number so that you're not having to bet more money than you would actually win. But as per his DFS outlook, you're going to need not only Kurt to hang around and and finish where where he where he is in that third to seventh place uh, range, but you're going to need him to pick up like a handful of, of laps led and a few fastest laps in the, in the process. And that just hasn't been Kurt's MO here at, at a uh, homestead. Uh, when we talk about uh place differential, the other two that, that stick out to you in this tier will be William Byron starting 31st, Matty D starting 37th, uh, Byron's 9,100 on DK. Uh, Matt is 8,800. Then over on FanDuel, 9,500 for William, but only 7,200 for Matt. Yeah, it's going to be chalky, but I think Matt has to be like one of the core plays for for people on FanDuel just because his price is so low. It's 7,200. 7, uh, with all that place differential, he could easily be the 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 second or the third highest scoring driver on on FanDuel tomorrow 8800 once again that's underpriced considering all this place differential uh this has been one of Matt's you know uh I wouldn't say better better tracks but his finishes the last two years have been 14 14th and 20th um you're just expecting a a consistent 20 plus place differential day out of out of Matt and in the latest uh, positive regression episode from from David Smith, he highlighted Matty D as a as a as a surprise uh, possible. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you want to say winner, but a surprise maybe top five, top ten pick for the race. Let me ask you about Denny Hamlin. Of course, on the poll here, ninety six hundred on DK, thirteen thousand five hundred over on Fanduel. I guess what we'll start more on the the DraftKings side of this equation. Can you avoid him? Or, sh- or I guess, or should you avoid him? You can, and I'll and I'll definitely make the case. Now, when it comes to cash, I think you just you just click the box. He's the pole sitter. There were I had some worries about about him earlier in the week, especially if there was going to be a a competition caution because that was how all of our pole sitters last year they lost all their upside because they would come in. Some guys would only take two tires. Some guys wouldn't even take, wouldn't even come in whatsoever because it wasn't mandatory. They lose their, they lose their lead, and then it just so happened that the better car eventually made its way to the, made made its way to the to the front. Um, but this is a very high tire wear track, so when everybody gets that opportunity on lap twenty five to come come in, I mean some. You'd be an absolute fool to hang out there and think that you're going to take the lead and sit on it for the next 40 laps. Everybody will come in at the same time. Everybody will take the same four tires. It's just a matter of whose pit crew is is faster. And Hamlin's got a really good a really good pit crew. The downside with Hamlin is his number. It, although his numbers are are fairly good, and yes, he won this race last year. He ended up leading the most laps. Is that if you look at Hamlin's history? in the Gen 6 cars dating back to 2013. It's really not that fantastic. And this is like Hamlin's fifth out of 
six years being the pole sitter. And yeah, he's getting you top 10 finishes, but there, there are complete, there are races where he is completely getting passed on the first lap and not leading a single lap afterwards. Um, in this race last year, same scenario, Hamlin on the pole, Logano starting second and Logano passed him and Hamlin took the lead back on lap nine, but then that was only for one lap. And then Hamlin was basically, he was a top five car. He, he wasn't showing any, any promise, but until they had the, the, the rain delay, Hamlin was probably just going to be buckled in for a top five finish and not be a factor for the rest of that night. But as the race transformed, Hamlin's car got, got better and was perfectly suited for what it ended up, ended up happening that night. So I, I want to really like Hamlin. I, I think that if you don't play Harvick, then you play um, Hamlin as your, as your primary dominator. But based on Hamlin's weird history at Homestead, don't be surprised if he gets passed early and you're paying 9600 on DraftKings and thirteen five on FanDuel for a driver that all he gets you is a top five to a top ten finish. So what's your thoughts on Logano potentially getting out on the lead early and potentially racking up some dominator points? Yeah, that is the dangerous thing because Logano is a really good restarter. There, there are a few drivers in this sport that can beat Logano off the line. And, I mean, this, like I said, this could easily just be a replay of what happened last year. So Logano's cheaper. Logano's won this race before. He's run really really well here he did not have a good race just like kevin harvick in this in this race before um logano's an, another guy that you should sprinkle in as a dominator option i don't know if i can look to him as like a on the same tier as harvick or hamblin but he's definitely a guy that you should consider as a dominator option in tournaments the other driver in this tier that we have not mentioned is alex bowman starting 13th 8300 on dk 8500 on fanduel the 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 weird story with Bowman last year was he did really well when when the track and the air temperatures were cooler, but then as the season progressed and both of those things got hotter, he was just kind of a mid-tier average driver. So if we're going to use that corollary for, for how uh, Bowman's going to do this year, then yeah, Bowman's a guy that we don't have to look to as a as, as nothing but a dominator option at that price at 8,300 on DraftKings, 8,500 on FanDuel. If he can pick up a handful of spots, cause he starts 13. So if we can give him a fifth or a sixth place finish, if he finds his way to the front leads a few laps, kind of like what Chase did last year, then at that salary, he can really pay off and he will be a fantastic pivot off of all of the place differential guys that are more expensive than him. Uh, mentioned this question from Aaron over in our premium Slack. He says, would it be a rule of thumb to not play Hamlin and Logano together? It seems like more often than not, that is walking a fine line. Yeah, that, that has generally been a rule at intermediate tracks that you try to avoid is don't pair your, your pole sitter and the, the guy starting second, uh, starting second together. And if you look in terms like if, if people have the race sheets open and if they turn over to the start finish heat map and you look at average laps led over the last three years, your pole sitter is leading 60 laps on average. And then the guy starting second is only leading 29.7. That's that's fewer than the guy starting third, starting fourth, starting fifth. So, I mean, it's not like it's 
the it's not like the numbers are absolutely pointing to to it being a to it being a possibility. And yeah, I think you just you just play the play the averages that if one's going to get the lead, then that necessarily means that the other isn't. Uh, you know, um, by the way, be sure to follow Osmo on Twitter at Osmo underscore com as we are going to be giving away 30 free weekly passes to our followers. So be sure to give that account a follow at Osmo underscore com. Also, be sure to follow the Osmo NASCAR account, which is Osmo NASCAR. So you get all your NASCAR DFS coverage over there. We'll move on to tier number three. This will be the drivers in the 7K and 6k range and uh the first driver i'll mention is a driver that came up in in the comments and that is eric amarola starting 16 7900 on dk 7800 on FanDuel. almarola is going to be he, he could possibly be a key in tournaments um generally in that at these intermediate tracks these drivers that start around let's say 12th to 20th they, they tend to get lost in in the, in the process for people because they don't have appeal as, as being a dominator. They don't have appeal as being a place differential driver. So they, 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 for the most part, get left behind, but Almarola has top 10 appeal in the last two of three races here. He has finished in the, in the, the top 10, his average finish is 12th overall. When you look at the, at the last three years, um, this track last year is where his string of top 10 finishes, uh, started. So he knows the he knows the track well. He can pick up some place differential at seventy nine hundred. You know, I think more people are definitely going to be on Austin Dillon. They're going to be more people are going to be on Ross Chastain and Chase Briscoe. They'll move up the move up the board to the the guys that we've already talked about. So you can probably get Eric at fairly at fairly good ownership, beneficial for your for your lineups compared to the rest of the field. Yeah, I was just going to pull up what we have in terms of. Uh... Eric Amarola and ownership. Oh uh, yeah. Good ownership. Good ownership. If, if you want to go, uh, that route, uh, you mentioned about Austin Dillon starting 22nd, 7,700 on DK 8,000 on FanDuel. Yeah. Um, my love for Dylan this week is unhealthy. Like, I, I keep, I keep finding reasons to, to want more and more Austin Dillon in my lineups. In the, in the article, I highlighted that ever since his rookie season, his, in 2014, his finishes have incrementally gotten better. They every single year he does better at this track. He never finishes off of the off of the lead lap. The last three years he has been in the optimal DraftKings lineup. His last three finishes here at at Homestead have gone 11th, 8th, and 7th. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm projecting him to finish sixth or fifth this this week, but there's lots of promise in Dylan to pick up some place differential starting 20, 22nd. Um, he's a guy that you should play in tournaments. And I, I think he's even a guy that you can trust in cash this week. Uh, in terms of uh, some other drivers in this range, you mentioned about Christopher Bell. He's starting third, 7,600 DK, 8,700 over on FanDuel. The only other driver in this tier that is starting in the uh, in, in one through nine will be Michael McDowell, who is starting six at 6,100 on DK, 4,500 over on FanDuel. You got Cole Custer starting uh, 10th, Chris Buescher starting 12th, and then it kind of just keeps continues to go up. But, uh, you know, do you do you see a value play? in this range Christopher Bell oddly may be it mm-hmm. 
he may, I think he legitimately has appeal as a, as a partial dominator and starting third, that's going to, that's going to scare a lot of people off. And I don't know what the, what the hype is going to be after Bell's uh, win la- last week at the, at the Daytona road course. And I mean, he's starting off the season uh, pretty good, but now he starts third. You, you think, well, can he really get to the lead from there? And I, considering this 20 car that he's in, it has lots of speed. And now that we're actually seeing him be able to mesh his talent with, with a capable car and not the 95 that he was in last year. I mean, I think you really have to give a, give a possible nod to Bell as a tournament pivot off of Dylan, off of Chastain, off of Briscoe, who can bring you a top five finish while also leading some laps. In that Levine uh, family racing uh, 95 last year, he started 36th, worked his way up to eighth, and now he's in a better car, better starting position. I mean, it's kind of, it, it, it's a little hairy, but I mean, Bell could absolutely be that guy on both DraftKings and FanDuel. Looking at the ownership projections on DraftKings, uh, the driver in this range that sticks out to you in terms of what you know, we're projecting as an ownership is Chase Briscoe, who is starting 30th, 7,200 on DK, 7,000 over on FanDuel. Obviously, starting thir- 30th, you know, obviously place differential is a thing you're, you're clearly going to point towards. Yeah, and you know, Chase is in this position because of what happened last week in the, in the road course. If you guys weren't watching the, the, the race late, he had damage to his, to his hood and his hood ended up on his windshield. It was one of the more spectacular things to see with him actually racing with that, with that hood up on his windshield. I mean, he was still navigating the road course until, until it, uh, until it all finally came apart and he got parked, but uh, credit to Briscoe for, for, for doing that and not just bringing the, the car home. But yeah, 7,200 because of this 30th starting position with, with the place differential. He's a cash play in tournaments. His ownership is definitely going to be up there, but you have to say, okay, what, what is the likelihood that he can bring home a top 15, a, a, a top 10 finish in the, in this 14 car. Clint Boyer was always really good here at a, at Homestead. And we should, we should expect the same, uh, you know, maybe not a top 10, but probably, probably a top 15 finish for, for Briscoe. The thing that you do have to worry about with Briscoe is he's hella aggressive. And I will tell you about last week. So I'm sitting on the couch editing some videos together and I just look up and they have the camera inside his car. And I go, how is he knowing where to drive? I mean, obviously he's got a spotter up in the air, but I'm yeah. sitting there going, okay, like I would like, if they had a camera on his helmet, I want to see what that view was like. Yeah. Yeah. He, he had like maybe this much that he could, he could see through and somehow he was still navigating, navigating his way. Um, you know, I, I I've gotten in trouble with the, uh, with the Briscoe stands on, on Twitter for, for calling him out because of his, his over aggressiveness. Mm-hmm. And it was something that he, he definitely did a little over the top when he was in the Xfinity series. Of course, when you're one of the better drivers with one of the better cars, you can get away with that crap. But now he's a rookie in a in a basically call it a top 16, top 17 car. And is is his aggressiveness at a high tire wear track um, going to be his undoing? So that's something that you have to worry about. 
Appreciate everyone that's in here on a Saturday afternoon watching us live here on YouTube. Be sure to be subscribed to Osmo so you can watch all the content we have here. We have shows every day. Of course, come up here later today. We'll have the NHL strategy show. Then we will have the UFC live before lock show, which uh, my phone's already gone off. We've already lost another fight for today. So myself and Pete will talk a little bit about that. And then, of course, uh, at 6, at 6 p.m., 5 5 p.m. will be NBA Deeper Dive and NBA Live Before Lock. So uh, be sure to subscribe here to the channel. Hit that notification bell so you know when a new show is live on the channel. Of course, a great way to show your support for this show is by hitting that thumbs up. We really do appreciate that. Let's move uh Before we uh, move on, just because uh, I saw White just had a, a question for Phil asking, how does Bubba Wallace do this week? I am really intrigued to see how how Bubba does. Um, you know, we're getting away from the oval. We're getting away from the road course. So we're going to see just what the true capability of his talent and this car is. And, and, you know, I wouldn't play Bubba in cash, but Bubba is definitely an intriguing tournament play because if we're just going to consider this 23XI car, Joe Gibbs car number five, and you're getting Joe Gibbs car number five, with a little bit of place differential at 7K, that puts Bubba on the board. And we've seen numerous times here at Homestead that Joe Gibbs always gives his drivers the practically the best setups. They, they figure it out at the shop, and they, they bring it down here, and they always do really well. So if we're going to use that corollary for, for Bubba this week, then, yeah, Bubba definitely makes sense as a, as a tournament play. Uh, looking at tier number four, so this will be the driver 6K and under on DraftKings. So uh, two names that you mentioned to me before the show that, that you uh, you wanted to talk about here, Daniel Suarez starting 21st and uh, Corey LaJoy starting 25th. And I know there was a question about uh, LaJoy a little bit earlier. Yeah, Suarez, he's he's like a 5 to 10% guy th- this week. I mean, honestly, when you get really – I mean, we can move, we can move this number up the, up the board. You get to Cole Custer at 6,600 and you go down. It's tough to make cases for these drivers. I mean, Ryan Newman could easily finish where he, where he starts. If you played Newman last week, that was just one of the most regretful sweats in, in, in NASCAR that I can remember in a while. Uh, Busher starting 12th. That's a hard pill to swallow. McDowell starting sixth. I, I definitely can't advise for that. You've got Ryan Priest starting eighth. That's, that's even tougher. Suarez starting 21st. He considers this the best car that he's ever been. in, even though he raced for, for Joe Gibbs and Stuart Hollis, of course that could most likely be tongue in cheek, but at 5,700, 5, if he can just maintain where, where he's at and, you know this Trackhouse Racing team. It's it's a it's affiliated with Richard Childress. So if we're kind of getting a Richard Childress like car with a Richard Childress setup, considering how well the three and the eight have done here of late, then you know that 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 kind of intrigues me. Alfredo, I'm I'm out on. I I need to see something from out Al, from Alfredo at an actual track. And starting 27th, we're not getting the juice that we had the last couple of weeks. Corey LaJoy is probably the cheapest that I want to go this week. And thankfully, since it's only a 267 lap race, you shouldn't have to go much lower than LaJoy. Uh, if anybody listened to the latest Dell Jr. download, 
he interviewed Corey and his dad, Randy, who was a two-time uh, Bush Grand National Champion racing the, racing the Cup Series. And they talked to Corey about his new ride at Spire Motorsports. And Corey owned up that what Spire had to do in the past was basically what backmarkers do. They ride around, they collect checks, and that's all they're there for. But Corey explained that they had to do that to build up the, the foundation to get to where they are now and what they want to do. And where they are now, he said, it's basically Chip Ganassi car number three. He said, if the if the alliance with, with Chip Ganassi was any stronger, then it would be another Chip Ganassi, uh, another Chip Ganassi car. So that's very intriguing for LaJoy who I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, yeah, he's got, he's got talent because it definitely hasn't been his dad's pocketbook. That's kept him in the, in the, in the series and Xfinity and cup right, riding around. I'm going to take a bet on the talent. I'm going to take a bet on this car. If it really is the Chip Ganassi car number three with that much Intel and R and D and, specs going into it starting 5400 yeah there's not a lot to milk out of that but i think that's the safest play in this range uh mention a question uh in relation to timmy hill this comes from uh, chris over on youtube he says would a lineup be viable if i went high-end salary on four drivers and just went say a two thousand dollar timmy hill can a, a lineup win like that or is it better to be balanced? Obviously, mentioning about the Timmy Hill price over on FanDuel. Yeah. Uh, okay. Two thousand dollars for a driver that that seems really really nice because that lets you get all of the high price drivers in. Now, if this was Martinsville with a five hundred lap race, Richmond with a four hundred lap race, Bristol with a five hundred lap race, then I mean, yeah, that that line of construction could conceivably be there, but with so few with so few laps. You don't need to do that. You can stay away from these $2,000, $2,500, $3,000 price drivers. And I'm, I'm going to say the same thing on on, uh, on DraftKings. You don't have to go a couple of dominators, a couple of these high-priced guys, and find yourself you know, hanging out in the Cody Ware, Timmy Hill, BJ McLeod, Garrett Smithley range. You can go for a bit more balance and give your lineups a, a bit more upside. Uh, speaking uh, of BJ, uh, JJ had asked about his equipment. If it's a a step under a full Stuart Haas car, yeah, uh, BJ McLeod. He it's the the, the seventy eight car, and I mean, I, I really don't know just what BJ's putting in it, into this car because remember he's got an Xfinity team that he's also pumping uh, pumping money into, and. Yeah, starting thirty fourth, there's a little bit of a little bit of place differential. But if you look at BJ's finishes over the years at this at this race and probably comparable equipment, it's thirty fifth, it's thirty second, it's thirty fifth. I think BJ's right in line to either finish where he is or just fall backwards. Of course, if you have any questions, start lining those up right now in our premium Slack account or right here on YouTube. We will get into those questions here momentarily. Of course, if you ever do miss any of our shows and you want to get them in audio form, you can get a part of the audio, the awesome 
podcast network. Just go to awesome.com slash podcast to find the favorite podcast that you are looking for. And when you leave a five-star review on that podcasting platform, you're entered for a chance to win a free month of Awesome Plus Platinum. You see it right there on the screen. Whether you want to say it's NASCAR, maybe it's NBA, it's NHL, whatever the sport is, or maybe you just want to subscribe to the main Awesome feed. It's all right there. Just go to awesome.com slash podcast and as of course another great way to show your support for the work we do over here at awesomeo.com uh getting into uh some uh, i think i've got pretty much all the questions uh why did ask this question he says who's your favorite two punt plays under 6k on DraftKings, it's going to be cory cory joy for everything that, that i laid out i think because of his vehicle that and his talent he's probably got the the best upside uh, God, when, when if you're looking at 7K and under, I'm going to go with the guy that's got the best vehicle, whose team has had the best setup over the years, and that's going to be going to be Bubba. I mean, DraftKings Draft down here at this range, they did a pretty good job pricing pricing everybody. You know, I've got problems with what they did with Matty D and Tyler Reddick, but down here they made it tough to not just slam uh, plays together. This is a, actually a question. It was a, a general question uh, from Jay Elliott. He says, I'm new NASCAR sport and betting. What's the most defining factor, car or driver? That's a. It's got to be a little bit of both, though. Yeah, that that's 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 generally it. Because in the lower series, you can be a bad talent. But if you've got enough sponsorship sponsorship dollars or enough of daddy's money, then you can buy your seat and find your find your way into a into a good ride. But here at the upper echelon of, of NASCAR, it's got to be a mesh of, of both talent and and car. Uh, next up, White says, "Who wins the race? Can't can't cannot say Reddick or Larson could be. I'm not sure. Maybe he's looking to make a little wager on who's going to win the race here. But uh, yeah, do, do you have a personal favorite of who you like to win this one? I think for outright purposes, I, I'm going to side with with Harvick. But it's hard to get away from the guy that won this that won this race last year. That that being Hamlin." Uh, next up, uh, Jason says, thoughts on Harvick and Larson in the same lineup? Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, if you're playing them both together, then you're picking them as your, as your top two dominators, plus Larson's going to give you a little juice because of his, of his place differential. Uh, FanDuel question from Aster, he says, would you play Hamlin and Harvick together? On FanDuel, yeah. I mean, on, on still on the on the the FanDuel optimals, even though the, uh, the the dominator points get reduced so much, we still continue to see two dominators in the optimal lineups. Uh, mentioned a question from uh, Johnny Rose over in Slack. Was wondering if you had any Xfinity thoughts. Oh, I got lots of Xfinity thoughts, and they begin with Tyler Reddick <laughs> once a uh, once again. The our problem with Reddick is that. DraftKings did with Reddick in the Xfinity series what they should have done with him in the Cup series. They they priced him up. He's I believe eleven eight on uh, for the for the Xfinity race today. The contender boats two two fifty or whatever uh, whatever they're calling if that even exists. Um, Reddick's in a downgrade of car. When he won his first championship, he was racing for JR Motorsports in the in the nine. 
And the following year, he won the championship racing for, for Richard Childress in the, in the two. He's racing in neither car today. He's in our motorsports, which is kind of a, a, a newer outfit. They have a full-time ride, the O2 that uh, Brett Moffitt uh, rides in. But this is kind of a, a, a sometimes car that they've it's a it's 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 convoluted at best. I believe this was a uh, Ryan Sieg racing car that's prepared by Ray Rayum Brothers, who dabble in the truck series. But then it's being operated by our Motorsports. The, the the fact of the of the matter is is that this is definitely not a top tier car, and I wonder if it's even a mid tier car. Yes. He's got tons of place differentials starting in, in the rear. But if you're paying 12K for a driver in this race with, with, that, with that few laps, you're not playing him because you think he's going to lead laps. You're playing him because you think he's going to get the majority of, of fastest laps. And I don't know if he's going to get those in this quality of a car. It's, it's, a tough, it's, it's a tough proposition. I will say I made 20 lineups. I maxed out ownership at 60% for all of – for uh, for all of my guys, and I still ended up with sixty percent Tyler Reddick in my lineups. Uh, another Xfinity question. This comes from Aaron uh, asking, uh, "Can you explain David Star for Xfinity today?" Uh, mentioned about his ownership and saying uh, it seems the ownership seems a little sketchy. David Star, I, th- I think he he gave a a three quarter of a million dollar check to Carl long to, to drive in the driving this car. And that's the only explanation that I, that I have, uh, MBM motorsports business management or Carl long. These, these cars are, are notorious for, for starting and parking. Just look at uh, Timmy Hills history racing for, for Carl long in the, uh, I believe in the, uh, in the 66, uh, I think you're going to see the same thing out of out of David Starr. Yes, he starts 40th, and I mean you, you might get some some place differ, differential out of him. And you can't look back at his past track history because that was for a, for a totally different team, a team that actually competed. This week, I, I I'm saying hands off. Uh, next up, uh, a Fanduel question: Would you play Logano and Harvick, or Harvick and Hamlin? On FanDuel, gauging the, the 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 salaries, it's easy to make this case for Logano because he is so much cheaper than than Denny. Thus, his point threshold is that much lower of of what he needs. But God, I, I think I'm still going to side on take Harvick, take Hamlin as your two two most likely dominators. We talked a little bit earlier about Eric Amarola, but uh, Wyatt uh, was not watching when. Uh, you did talk about, can you kind of summarize what you said a little bit earlier about uh, Amarola? Yeah, you're getting a driver with top 10 potential priced under 8K who is sandwiched in between a bunch of place differential drivers. That sounds like a perfect tournament play to me. Uh, FanDuel question here uh, saying, should I use Logano and Kozlowski in the same lineup? That is that is definitely going to be contrarian. Not having either, if you don't have Harvick or Hamlin, and you don't have either of them in a in a lineup, that's definitely going to be uh, contrarian. You're going with the driver starting second and seventh. Uh, their numbers here at Homestead over the years have 
have been so have been so so. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're going to do that, and like if you're doing twenty doing a twenty max, and you want to have a couple of of uh, Penske lineups with, with with those two, I I can get behind that. The Penske driver that I like the most tomorrow, though, isn't Logano. It isn't Keselowski. It, it's Ryan Blaney, though. Of course, uh, when you visit awesome.com, of course, you're there to read Phil's articles. Do let you know that today our free content up there is NBA ownership projections, NHL player projections, and UFC pro plays. Of course, uh, you see uh, there in the chat the offer we have for a half off a first week of college basketball DFS. So take advantage of that deal. Uh, mentioned, we'll end on uh, this question uh, from JJ. He says, What's the max percentage you use on drivers in a 20 max on DK? A, a safer, quote unquote, safer race like uh, like Homestead tomorrow, it's probably going to be in that 60 to 60, 65% range. And that's definitely going to be these place differential drivers like a Byron, like a Matty D, like a Reddick because of their, 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 I want to say guaranteed, but their, their floor is so much higher because of their place differential. And of course, uh, don't forget tomorrow live before lock one hour before the race. So you, myself and Chris will get you ready for the race course. Uh, be sure to give Phil a follow on Twitter at race sheets DFS. And for our premium subscribers, you can chat with Phil there in our Slack channel, the Slack NASCAR channel we have there. So if you do have any questions that we didn't get to here on the show, Phil will definitely answer your question in there. So that is going to wrap it up for this edition of the NASCAR DFS strategy show. Appreciate everyone tuning in here on a Saturday afternoon and good luck with your lineups tomorrow.